quantum computing fundamentally is the best way to process information based on the laws of physics as we know them. I had constructed what I thought of as the generalization of the universal Turing machine. Can an astonishingly powerful new realm of computation be found within the quantum world? Will researchers ever realize the goal of what they call quantum supremacy? And what would it mean for our society if they did? From its fundamental building blocks to the ultimate goal of a truly universal quantum computer, join me, Oxford Professor of Philosophy Peter Millikan, as I explore this and many other questions on the Future Makers podcast. Available today from wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, but we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech, the Future Tech Health Podcast, and I have uh, William M. Hang, BDS and MSP. Uh, he's the head of uh, Face Focused. We're talking to him about the uh, Face Focused philosophy. Website is facefocused.com. Um, we've been talking again about that and orthodontics and uh, new techniques. So, uh, William, thanks for coming. How are you doing? I'm great. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, so tell me, uh, you know, when people normally think of orthodontics they probably just think of braces and right you know straightening their teeth and you know yeah but it sounds like from the people i've spoken to there's a heck of a lot more involved than just that and that itself may not be uh the best remedy for someone so tell me a little bit about your background in this area and how you came to have the practice that you have okay uh i've been in orthodontics uh for 47 years uh i was trained like everybody else to basically straighten teeth and I did it well. Uh, we didn't look a lot at about what the face looked like. I used to take out teeth uh, of more than half of my cases. Uh, and in the early 1980s, I began to look at the faces and said, I didn't like this. Uh, I, I, I didn't like the faces afterwards. I thought in many cases they were worse off. There were also people in the profession that were alleging that uh, orthodontists were producing temporomandibular joint problems, which includes headaches and neck aches and stuff like that. Uh, and so I was concerned about that. So I began taking courses, traveling all over the country, even all over the world, and tr trying to find new ways of doing things. And so I, I, I quit removing teeth back in the early 1980s. 
Uh, most people are still removing teeth. I'm basically, I've quit pulling teeth back, haven't used a headgear, which is to retard the forward growth of the upper jaw. Uh, we've known since 1981, actually, in the referee literature, that upper teeth really don't stick out. And so if that's the case, why do you want to push them back with a headgear? So what I've done is I've followed my patients. I've listened to them. Uh, in 1989, uh, you know, I actually started reopening extraction spaces for people who had previously had bicuspid teeth removed, uh, giving them back their better facial balance that they, they appreciated and many times getting rid of of pain patterns, headache patterns, TMJ issues that they had. And as we get more and more into it, we realize that many of these patients have breathing issues. And for the last 20 years, really, been focused heavily on treating people who have breathing issues, sleep apnea, uh, associated that where they feel that, you know, they, they had retraction done, teeth taken out, everything pulled back. And within a very short period of time, they literally had breathing problems. So we may never make any promises about resolving uh, symptoms for people, but we've been reopening spaces for now 30 years for people. And we have people from more than half the states and a number of uh, foreign countries who come to us for this service and have people contacting me all the time wanting to know, gee, do you know somebody where I live that can do this? Uh, so basically what we like to do is a very a non-traditional approach, which is to develop the entire face forward. Uh, rather than back. And uh, in order to do this, you, there are a lot of different things that we do. And that's the, we do, there's a lot of stuff, even in young kids, we do uh, toward that end. All right. So a couple basic questions here. What's wrong about extracting a tooth? What does it do to a person physically when you extract a tooth or multiple teeth? Okay. The removal of the teeth is in and of itself isn't the issue, although one really does wonder why we would, would want to do that. Uh, I actually had it done in my own mouth when I was 11 years of age, and I actually reversed that. The, it's not the, the the mere act of removal of the teeth. It's it's the the moving back of the teeth in the face that to, to close the space that what we call in the uh, orthodontics retraction, and that's m much of orthodontics is retraction. And it, even if you don't even remove teeth, you can retract by using elastics from the upper teeth to the lower teeth. Uh, and kids who have so-called buck teeth. Uh, the upper teeth really don't even stick out in the face. As a matter of fact, in those cases, we have, as again, I alluded to in the refereed literature back to 1981 article saying that the, the upper teeth and kids who have buck teeth really are, are often too far back. In reality, they're always too far back. And what we need to do is to move the upper forward and move the lower forward. Number one, the, the face will look better. But number two, as you do that, and we've documented this with, with some uh, study in the referee literature, you can see the airway open up with the soft palate moving forward and the base of the tongue moving forward. And this can uh, open the airway some, which is a very big deal since you have a pretty good segment of the uh, even growing children have sleep apnea. Uh, and it, so obviously that's not OK. It's sleep apnea. And we have. People at UCLA, uh, Ron Harper's a PhD there who uh, has done MRIs on brains, uh, of, uh, you know, for, for kids who have sleep apnea. And he can document uh, brain damage uh, even with one night of reduced oxygen saturation with these these things. So it's it's a real important thing. Uh, it's also associated uh, uh, the, the reduced airway, which can occur can be associated with uh, not only the poor sleep, but that then translates into kids who have 
uh, a diagnosis of ADHD, uh, attention deficit hyperactivity uh, problems, and I, a recent number on that, a statistic I a couple years ago, I saw that 15% of kids are getting diagnosed with that, and they're on Ritalin or some other drug. And there's a, a, a pediatric uh, sleep specialist in Chicago, Dr. Stephen Sheldon, at Lurie Children's Hospital, who who will lecture a lot, and he says that that ADHD, he really doesn't think it exists. He thinks it is always a sleep and breathing problem, and he underlines the word always. So he's a smarter guy than I am, and I have to believe what he's saying. And so what we're trying to do is to help people, help kids breathe better and sleep better. Uh, there are a lot of behavioral issues that kids have, obviously, with the ADHD, and just in general, uh, a lot we're trying to optimize facial balance and opti optimize airway health. I guess that's what we're, what it, my, my, my life is really about. Well, you know, I have kids and I'm sure a lot of people know, and you know, like when they're babies and they cry and all that, they'll, Oh, they're tired. They're cranky. But then we seem to, I guess, lose sight of that when they're, you know, kids, preteens, teens, and then they're not supposed to be cranky for any reason. And we, you know, it makes sense that they're not sleeping well because of airway problems that uh, it would lead to all kinds of uh, emotional outbursts and behaviors that uh, can be construed as ADHD and, and other problems. That is absolutely the, the case. And there, there's some pretty good uh, evidence to support what you're saying. And that, that's why we need to all be aware of this. And there's a lot of different issues with teenagers and their circadian rhythm. And they, they actually, some of the schools are, are starting school uh, later rather than earlier because uh, believe it or not, kids' circadian rhythms are different, and they, they really shouldn't be getting up that early. <laughs> As parents, you tend to think, oh, my kid is just lazy, but no, he's not. There's, that's his natural rhythm. So what, what's, uh, how, does a, how does the poor structure of the face, I mean, what does that look like? I know we're audio here only, but well, can you give listeners an idea? What does a poor structured face look like versus a good one? Well, and why is that helpful? Okay. First of all, what we want is we want all of our, we have to realize that since the, uh, since the advent of agriculture, uh, we are seeing uh, Daniel Lieberman's book from uh, Harvard. He's an anthropologist there. He's documented how the face is back from where it was in our ancestors. And really this, this predates the agricultural <clears throat> revolution there where we started growing our food. And then the Industrial Revolution was amazing because now we see even the faces come back even more. And there are a number of other books. Basically, what you see is how we are relative to our ancestors is we, we tend to have more of a prominent nose and the upper and, and uh, lower jaws are back. Uh, the chin is weak. Uh, and, you know, for a lot of people, it's way back significantly. For men, they're lucky they can grow a beard and cover up the fact that they have no chin. For ladies, they're not quite so co so lucky. Uh, if you look at a face, you'll often see even a curved nose and the nasal bone appears to stick out. These, this will usually happen by the teenage years for some kids. What's really happening is the nasal bone is not sticking out, but the cartilage part of the nose, which is below that, falls back as the upper jaw falls back. And what you'll see is you'll see kids with very flat cheeks. If you look at them from the side and you draw a tangent from the eyelid straight down their cheek, the closer that line is to paralleling the line of the nose, the more attractive the face is. We have lots of children today who have absolutely flat cheeks. Uh, they're not considered attractive. And kids like this, if they were going to become a, you know, try to go into the movies, for instance, they would absolutely never make it as a leading man or a leading woman because 
that you really need to have full cheeks for optimal facial aesthetics. But it really means is you're, something that looks good functions well is also. The farther forward the, the cheeks are, the farther forward the soft palate is, because the cheeks are really part of the upper jaw, or an extension of it, the zygomatic bone part, connected to the, to the upper jaw, which is called the maxilla. The farther forward it all is, the farther forward the soft palate is going to be. And then, of course, the farther forward the chin is, then the farther forward the tongue is and the better the airway is going to be. Many of our kids today have very long faces. Uh, uh, the lower face from the nose on down is, is, is a, you know, much longer. And A, it's not as attractive. And B, the farther down the lower jaw is, that usually tends to be back as, as well, which means that the tongue is back and the airway is compromised. Uh, we have, you know... When you get into the adult arena, you have 40% of the people over age 40 in this country snore, and 60 to 80% of them will test positive for sleep apnea, and 95% of them are undiagnosed. Uh, and you know, undiagnosed, untreated sleep apnea is good for 20% reduction in life expectancy. Uh, 65 to 80% of all stroke patients have sleep apnea, and so, and every literally every chronic disease known to man is in one way correlated to sleep apnea. Even worse than that, uh, from University of Detroit uh, uh, Hospital or Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit, I believe it was six years ago, correlated that snoring alone is correlated with, with plaque formation in the carotid arteries. That was on Yahoo for anyone to see who wanted to. So it's, it's a pretty serious issue. And the medical community is, is becoming aware of it. Many in the dental community have become aware of it and are trying to treat it. Uh, I'm obviously all in and trying to address this because that's kind of what my practice is about is treating people who suffer like this. So what, all right. So what are some protocols for kids and is there anything that can be done for adults? Well, there's for kids, the best thing, and I really talk about this is the mother needs to breastfeed for as long as possible because that in and of itself helps to stimulate proper growth. Uh, you need to have the baby tested for tongue tie. The tongue, in many cases, is kind of anchored to the floor of the mouth. And uh, the, in Brazil, they uh, instituted a law that every newborn be examined uh, for tongue tie. And in the first year, I believe there was some well over 40% had some degree of tongue tie. If the tongue cannot get to the palate, it can't support the upper jaw. And the upper teeth and jaws will tend to fall down and back. And this starts this cascading thing of the whole face falling back. Uh, so we reverse, we, what we try to do is we try to get mothers to breastfeed. And when they, when they wean the baby, they should go directly to uh, solid food. There's a really good book to read on that. It's called Baby Led Weaning by Gil Rapley from England. Uh, once beyond that, what you want to see, every parent should see is their child should have their lips together both night and day. You should never see a child at rest with their mouth hanging open night or day. And these are things that need to be checked out with, with a professional who knows about this, uh, a general dentist, a pediatric dentist, an orthodontist, an ENT specialist. Sadly, most are not too focused in on that, or at least, at least not the way they should, but you, people need to go looking for that. And there's sources on the internet. You can uh, go to the Foundation for Airway Health, FAH is a website to help uh, raise awareness for parents. Uh, when we get into the really young kids, we even treat kids in the primary dentition where we move the upper teeth forward and the lower jaw forward with a technique called orthotropics developed by a gentleman from London, England. 
And again, we've published that we can open the airway. And we never, again, I want to make it really clear, we never promise anybody that we're going to open the airway for anybody. But we've documented that it indeed is possible. When it gets to straightening teeth, honestly, uh, you, you want to be doing this and developing the arches so that you're never going to be removing teeth. And the treatment really should be well before the normal orthodontic age, which is in the early, you know, 11, 12 or 13 when all the teeth are in. That's typically when kids wear braces. Basically, I call, in many cases, it's nothing more than rearranging the deck chairs in the Titanic because the, the face is already too far down and back. And all you're really doing is lining the teeth up. Uh, when you get to that point, let's say you have a 12 year old and they have crowded teeth. Uh, there's no reason to remove teeth in those cases, even though uh, I was taught that you had to extract teeth. And I've, I've found plenty of ways uh, for years, uh, for since the early 1980s, I stopped taking out teeth. And we were all taught that if you if you didn't take out teeth, you're going to cause gum recession. A person might lose teeth. And there's really no evidence to support that. As a matter of fact, there are about eight articles in the referee literature that I know of that says that's not true. And my own experience says that. So uh, when it comes to crooked teeth in, the, in those years, uh, teeth don't need to be removed, shouldn't be removed. Headgear shouldn't be worn. Things that push the teeth back in the face shouldn't be done. Uh, there's no scientific evidence in the literature that shows that those things are good. There's a long, there's, there is a long-term benefit to pulling the teeth back like this. And the, certainly the faces, uh, if you ask most of the patients who've had it done, they're not happy with what they look like. And many of them are very unhappy. Uh, let's get on to the adults or even the adolescents uh, who have had teeth taken out and who have been retracted. Uh, in many cases, we can reopen those spaces. Uh, and as again, I started doing that in 1989. Uh, shortly after that, I did it in my own mouth, so I know it works. Uh, and I've done it for people from all over the world. And I've, I've literally, I, I honestly, I learn from every patient and I listen to them. Uh, and some of them tell me remarkable things. I call them, oh, by, oh, by the way, Dr. Hang comments. Oh, by the way, I don't have sinus infections anymore. Oh, by the way, I, I don't fall off the treadmill anymore. I have better balance. I'm not going to promise anybody resolution of a new symptom, but I see these kinds of things. So there's there's help for people all the way along. And even for people whose jaws are so far back and they have severe sleep apnea, and they're stopping breathing, let's say more than you know, 50 times a, an hour. I mean, this and this happens, uh, and it's pretty devastating. And their oxygen saturation goes way, way down, and they're at great risk for some serious medical problem like heart attack or stroke. Uh, we do uh, prepare cases for surgery, which advances the upper and lower jaws forward, and we've seen some very dramatic things happen for those patients, including. Uh, drop in blood pressure from something like 163 over 120 to down to 128 over 78 within a few days after surgery is done. Uh, I've seen uh, just more recently, I have a patient who had been on uh, uh, statin drugs and his, his cholesterol had been, he'd been on, he was in his mid fifties and his, his cholesterol, he'd been on drugs for his cholesterol since age 25 when he had a cholesterol of 295 and it had been up as high as 495. After he had surgery to advance the jaws and he was sleeping perfectly normally, his cholesterol most recently was 125 and his triglycerides were better. And his A1C, he walked into my office and he, and he said, Dr. Hang, I'm the healthiest I've been in my entire adult life. Now, I'm just an orthodontist. I'm not a real doctor here. I'm, and I'm just reporting to you the things that patients tell me. 
And I give hope to those people who really uh, wake up in the morning and they feel like they've done six rounds with Mike Tyson. They are not well rested. They feel horrible because they've not not been sleeping. So my message is for for the people listening is to look around and try to find a solution uh, one way or the other. Almost everybody can have some improvement. We Again, make it very clear. I never promise resolution of even one symptom for somebody. All right. Well, uh, and so what are the interventions that for children and for adults? I mean, I've heard of things like, I mean, can you do exercises to strengthen the tongue and tone right. the airway and Good. allow the lower jaw to come forward? You know, exactly. What do people do? One of the, one of the big, best things, and I'm a huge fan and supporter of what we call myofunctional therapy. Uh, and this is doing some exercises to strengthen the muscles around the face and the, and the throat, the, the tongue and the lips and everything to help that child become a nasal breather. And part of that is what we call buteco breathing, what Patrick has been teaching the world to do. Uh, terribly important to, to do this and get that person to be a nasal breather and get their, what we want to do is get their tongue to the palate at rest all of the time, their lips together without strain. And John Mew in London, England is the, the guy who came up with the, what he calls the tropic premise. And he says, if you have the teeth together lightly and the tongue to the palate firmly and the lips together without strain, the face will grow forward normally according to its genetic plan. And no one has ever proven him wrong in this. And he put this out there more than 50 years ago. And the more I look at it, the more I see patients, the more I believe he's absolutely correct. I, I don't believe that this is either there's a, any way to really prove it because we can't ethically do experiments on human beings. Uh, uh, but intuitively and based on my practice experience, I believe he's absolutely correct. So the, the big focus that the parent should have is one way or the other, having their child have their teeth together, their tongue to the palate, their lips together, breathing through their nose. And the parents should go into the bedroom and listen for, for breathing. They shouldn't even hear the child breathing. Proper breathing is silent. There should be no snoring. There should be no gasping. Uh, the child should not be restless in bed. The child who's restless in bed and turning all over the place and tears the bed up, that's the child who's probably having uh, real problems uh, sleeping and breathing. And what happens, they end up, as I said, with the, often the ADHD diagnosis. Hmm. So, all right. So, so for children, um, how do they find a practitioner that's just not your run-of-the-mill orthodontist or dentist? Your type of person called something? We have, a, we have an organization, American Academy of, uh, of Facial Orthotropics, NAFO, and we have a website which lists people who are trained in doing that. Uh, we also encourage uh, people to, to go to the AAPMD, the American Academy of Physiological Medicine and Dentistry. And these are people, mainly dentists, who are focused on the airway. And one way or the other, they, they can usually help someone find resources to, uh, to help, help them. Uh, it's, a, it's a movement that we don't have huge numbers of people, but we're trying to grow and, and help everybody become aware of it. Uh, how important it is, is really underlined. The American Dental Association last summer had a convocation in Chicago and basically uh, made it mandatory that, that dentists screen for airway issues. This was a landmark thing uh, for the American Dental Association to do this. They're, in my humble opinion, they're not known for taking 
taking really the positions that are that forward thinking. There are many things in dentistry that are still done that I, I think should not be done. And, and the American Dental Association should have taken the lead on those. They really haven't. But for them to take the lead in this, that says to me, this is a big deal. Uh, it's a huge public health issue. And for the, for, for the Dental Association to do this, it's a, it's a big deal. So I hope that people can go to the AAPMD website or, or, uh, or the NAAFO website. You can find, hopefully find someone halfway near where you live. We don't have members in every state, unfortunately, uh, but it's a growing movement. And uh, there are lots of people that are becoming more and more aware of it. Okay, so you'd, you'd find a, uh, a dentist that's a member? A member um, of, that, of that group, yes. Okay. And you'd say to them, you know, hey, this is this and that's happening with my child. You exactly. Do, you do airway screenings. Do you look yeah. beyond traditional dentistry? Exactly. Okay. And at what point um, is it very difficult to make corrections? You know, what age? Well, what uh, if you're an ideally, adult? ideally, what you're trying to do is to optimize facial growth right from the get go uh, when the child is very young, uh, age three and four and five. Now, trying to get some kids to cooperate doing some exercises may be very challenging. And, you know, I have grandkids. I know that full well. I raised two boys. I, I, I understand. I'm a realist. But you keep trying and all the way through. Uh, and when the, when the child it comes into the, the uh, dental office and the teeth are crowded, uh, as, the, you know, as a six-year-old child, his lower front teeth are coming in crowded, uh, the last thing you want to do is to start removing from a baby teeth to make more room for them. That's a great sign that there's not enough room. The jaws are too small. Uh, I was taught to remove baby teeth in those cases, and I did that for the first about seven years of my practice. But I quit doing that and, and, and started making room for the teeth. I did it for my kids, and my kids are both in their 40s now. Uh, they have kids, and I, my, I've had it done for my grandkids. So uh, it's doable, and it's, it, it's the right thing to do. So treating very early to create enough room for all the teeth in both the upper and lower arches is, is essential because uh, what you're doing is, A, you're going to fill out the face better and you're creating more space for the tongue so the tongue isn't going to get you know, pushed back into the throat because it has no place to go. It's an interesting organ that's got, uh, I believe it's four cranial nerves that innervate it, if I'm not mistaken. I, I'm not so great on my anatomy. It was a long time ago, but it's a very important organ with a lot of different functions. and it. Some, what I've noticed, and when I reopen extraction spaces for people, that sometimes it takes a very small increment before someone comes in and they say, gee, uh, my wife says I'm not snoring anymore. And I say, really, I barely move your teeth. Well, no, I'm not here to say your wife's a liar. I believe her. But it's really interesting how small a movement is necessary. Uh, so there are lots of things to do. Again, the major focus here is don't take out teeth and don't pull the teeth back in the face with elastics or, or uh or headgears or things like this. Well, what do you do? So don't take out teeth, don't pull the face back with elastics and headgears. You, you what align, do you do? You align the teeth and uh, and broaden the arches as wide as you can. Uh, we love to see a very nice wide arch. Uh, the, the, the broader it looks, uh, the better it looks. Uh, I like, I always use the, the example of Tiger Woods. He's got big, huge teeth and he's got one of the broadest arches around. He, and now he's winning again, so he smiles a lot now but he's got one of the best smiles ever. And I'm also a runner and uh, I'm, a, I'm an addicted runner. I run marathons. Uh, I've run 30 marathons and I've run the Boston Marathon 10 times. I will never win any Boston Marathon. I couldn't, uh, 
certainly not at my age, but all the people who win and run those things, they're all people with huge broad arches, which means that their jaws are forward, their airways are open. And that that's one of the, the, the secret weapons they have in this process is because their airway is so much better. And uh, it's uh, a lot easier for them to, to go down the, the street and run 26 miles than someone who has a very poor airway. But how do are there spreaders for the top pallet? Yeah, are there spreaders for the pallet? Can be done to, uh, you can widen, you can laterally widen the upper and lower jaws. Uh, and there is no midline suture on the lower. And we're taught as orthodontists, if you if you try to widen it laterally, you're going to push the teeth off the bone support. Well, I did that for my widen my own jaw laterally uh, 29 years ago, and I haven't pushed my teeth off the bone support. I do it for other adults. I do it for kids. I've done it for my grandkids. I, we've we've expanded the lower jaw 10 millimeters easily in many patients without pushing the teeth off. And every little millimeter counts because you're giving the tongue more space, space that it's not going to be pushed back in the in the into the throat. Uh, and again, there are things to do to move the move the teeth forward and then develop the lower jaw forward. It's very challenging. It's a hard technique. Uh, not that many people do it. I teach a class in it, uh, and it is certainly not for every patient because it requires so much cooperation, but it is possible to do this. Uh, and for the really horrendous cases, the patients who've had so much downward and backward growth of the face, uh, there, really, there really isn't anything besides surgery to, to bring the jaws forward. And, and that, you know, we're, we do those cases too. But the, the idea is we don't let anyone get that far down the path because we see them very, we want to see them very young. We want to have them do a myofunctional therapy. We want to have them do the buteco breathing, you know, get Patrick's book on the oxygen advantage and learn to become nasal breathers. Uh, and I believe that we're going to see those faces grow forward better than if, if the patient hangs their mouth open. Prevention is really the only way, honestly, to, to win this war. Uh, Eating really coarse foods, I mean, really hard foods and chewing. I mean, there's some really interesting books that are out there on that. Uh, even going back <laughs> to the, the mid-1800s, George Catlin, who was a Philadelphia lawyer, became an artist and a photographer and lived amongst the Native American tribes in the 1830s. And he wrote a book <clears throat> entitled Shut Your Mouth and Save Your Life. And it was it was published back in the 1860s, and he observed that the Native Americans had facial development, and they had less infant mortality uh, than the Caucasians that he was familiar with uh, in the Eastern United States as when he'd lived there. Uh, but he has an interesting. It's a thirteen dollar book you can get on Amazon, and uh, it's politically incorrect. But I'll tell you what, it's very entertaining reading, and and you can see that this is nothing new. It's not somebody someone's come up with something new here. There's another book to read called uh, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration called by Weston Price. And he toured the world uh, in the 1930s. He was a, I believe he was a former president of the American Dental Association. But he noticed that faces and teeth changed in one generation in people all over the world when they adopted a more of a Western diet rather than the, the food that they'd been eating. And they were eating processed foods rather than something that they really had to chew vigorously. So, and there's a lot of evidence to, to support that. Daniel Lieberman's book uh, on the evolution of the human head, he's a, again, a Harvard anthropologist. I believe his book pretty well confirms that too. So we need to, we need to adopt a different lifestyle. That's, that's basically what it, it boils down to. Yeah, it's not easy. 
Um, what are some basic things that um, people can do to help themselves and their children? Like, for instance, should they encourage them to chew gum? Would that help develop? Uh, uh, it's interesting. Muscles? A good friend of mine who where he really wants them to chew vigorously chew gum like that. Yes. Uh, one of the things that I do myself uh, is I tape my lips every night. Now I I have a longer face, sadly. Uh, I had a wet pillow every morning waking up when I was a kid, and I would have a wet pillow even now. Uh, but I've been taping my mouth with paper tape for eight years now after I heard Patrick talk about this. And the reason I do it is I, I sleep better. And uh, I also don't get colds very often anymore. Cold and sore throat would start for me with a dry throat. And uh, and that so I've actually gotten to where I, I do a lot of flying i travel a lot and uh, cross-country flights or whatever if i'm going to be sleeping i will tape my mouth on an airplane uh, i don't frankly care what anyone says about me uh, i know that i'm going to sleep and i'm going to feel better and hopefully not end up with a cold when i arrive at my destination and i've yeah. i've run for four years in a row without a cold in september october and it's all because i'm i've done this uh by not not mouth breathing so it's amazing. I, I, I try to get the kids to do it. And when the parents come back and they say, oh, I got Johnny doing it. And I tried it myself. And, the, and then they say, oh, I'm sleeping so much better. Uh, it's really amazing. I, I actually had a, one woman who I was treating to was very unhappy, never smiled at all in her life. I got her to do this. She was in her early 70s. She came in one day with a smile on her face and she said, I've been taping my lips. I really feel great when I wake up. I'm having all my friends do it. Uh, uh, when you hear things like that, you know, <laughs> you know you're helping somebody. Something as simple as taping your mouth. Now, for those of you who think that you're going to die if you can't if you can't breathe, right, right. we're talking about paper tape put over your lips, and this paper tape hardly has any stickiness on it at all. And so, if you couldn't breathe, your mouth will fly open, uh, and you don't have to worry about that. Believe me. Oh, so you've never experienced like gasping or choking or waking not up and ripping all, the tape? Not, not at all. I'm, I put a piece of tape across my lips, and sometimes, uh, if I, for whatever reason, I'm not breathing as well, I, I might end up, and the tape might be off. Uh, and in the middle of the night, if I find that, I'll, I'll put a new piece of tape on because I want to keep my lips <laughs> together. Because the last thing I need is a cold that takes me out of the, out of the running for, you know, a, a, a week at a time. So if you breathe through your mouth, especially when you're sleeping, but your nose is open, you may not just you may not be able to train that. So the, the exactly. tape just right. helps give you a little extra boost. Exactly. For the young kids, you the idea is you're trying to trying to train them to become nasal breathers from the get go. Uh, it's like a dog, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So the puppy you learn the puppy learns to shake hands and roll over and, and speak. Uh, when you're older, uh, it's a little harder. But the, the are, there are these crutches like taping your mouth, which really can help a lot of people. And I, I've been amazed. That I love it when people come in and tell me they've been doing it and how much better they're sleeping. <clears throat> well, you should make a series of uh, mouth tapes that look like <laughs> wax lips or other designs. I, I know people who have some seriously good ideas about that. I can't, I can't share because <laughs> I would be uh, betraying their confidence. Uh, I'm I'm not an entrepreneur like that, unfortunately. <laughs> but any um, any other tweaks with the lip taping? Um, you know, no, just take I, part of the lips, like the middle of the lips, or the whole thing, or any yeah, other. You know, you can tape, you can take a piece of tape and go straight across from one side to the other, and I did that a lot. 
uh, now I have, what I used to get once in a while, I'd get a cold sore right on the edge of my lip. And I had it mm. that way one time when my grandkids were visiting me and there, there they are looking at grandpa and he's got this awful looking sore on his lip. And I, I felt kind of self-conscious about it. So I started taping on each side of my nose, one vertical piece from my cheek clear down to my chin on each side, leaving the center part of my mouth uh, where it would be, it could be slightly open for saliva to come out if it needed to. And the point is I'm not locking all that saliva in against my lips. And I haven't actually had a cold sore since then. So I'm kind of doing that now. Okay. Huh. What are a few more anecdotes about the mouth taping? What have uh, people told you the first night they did it? And then what do they tell you after a few nights or a week or so? Well, a lot of them, A, they've slept better, but some of them may, they, then they awaken well rested and they, they, it makes a big difference on their energy level uh, when they, when they've got a good night's sleep. Uh, the, the, the big thing, what, you know, many people are so sleep deprived in our society that, and they're, they just sleep so poorly. They're not getting into, into deep sleep, not getting into REM sleep. They don't even have dreams, uh, which come in, in deeper stages of sleep. So if they're able to get rid of, uh, to get into a deeper state of sleep, then they may, they may get more restorative sleep, uh, and, and feel better in the morning. Uh, I have people who really, they just, they're, they're hooked on it once they're, once they tape and they, they don't want to be without it. Yeah. And just regular tape you use, okay. I guess they, they're sure they special. Paper tape, because uh, it has uh, really not very much stickiness on it at all. You can buy it at any of the drug stores. Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond has it. You can buy it online. Uh, but, but when you, when you go to take it off in the morning, it's not going to take your face off with it. There's certain tapes that you put them on that, you know, it's going to take a layer of skin off. This is not the way it is. A tiny little piece of paper tape, and it just flips right off. Uh, it's not a problem at all. Interesting. Okay. Um, any other, um, so, so perhaps chewing gum may help. Uh, yeah. And, and, for the lips. And, 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 you know, eating, uh, instead of eating the processed foods, eat the whole food, eat the, eat the food as it is. Instead of eating applesauce, eat the apple and, and the stuff that requires vigorous chewing. Uh, uh, there's no better example of this than if you look at John and Mike Mew. John Mew is from London, my, my mentor. He's got a really long face, narrow jaw. And his son had what he uh, this orthotropic treatment that his dad did. And his son's face is amazing, grows, has grown forward. If you looked at the two people together, you couldn't imagine that Mike is, is John's son. Uh, and it really has to do with what John did for him and how he grew forward. Uh, and I, it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, there, there's lots of different examples of this. I actually uh, saw the best example I just saw within the last year, the difference between lip apart posture and not lip apart posture, what we call proper restoral posture. There were on the Internet, someone sent me a link to uh, – uh, an article of, it was on CNN, I believe. Uh, two girls, uh, two identical twins, were uh, were adopted separately. One grew up in California, and one grew up in New Jersey, and they had, were adopted. I believe it was about age one and a half or two. Uh, don't quote me on that, but it was very early. And they came back together and found each other in their fifties. And the one girl was an absolute chronic mouth breather. Her mouth was hanging open all the time and they had lots of pictures. And the other woman was 
had her face had grown forward normally. Now, what you really understand is you're dealing with identical DNA. And if they're, you know, if we say they're identical twins, well, gee, they ought to be identical. They ought to grow to the same height. They ought to have the same features. If you were to see these 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 pictures, not only would you say they're not they're not identical twins, you wouldn't even think they were in the same family. Uh, so essentially, an adoption agency uh, performed a very nice experiment uh, in, in in testing the the influence of rest oral posture on facial growth and basically confirmed what those of us who have been studying this for several decades really, really believe and understand that poor facial growth is more an environmental issue than a genetically determined one. Uh, that's been a controversy in the profession for ever since I've been in it, but I see no evidence in the, in the referee literature that there's, a, that there's a strong genetic component it's much more environmental, as as the books I've alluded to already would have you believe. Uh, there's a lot of research that needs to be done, but for those who are interested, you can go and uh, I think it was look at uh, a TV show that was with Sanjay Gupta, I think is his name, on CNN. I, I don't watch TV much at all, so I don't really know. But you can see these twins that are in their uh, in their 50s uh, where they came back together. You won't believe the pictures. Wow. Okay. Very interesting. Um, what's the uh, what's your current focus now? Is it just education and dissemination of this information, or yeah, something specific you're working on? Really, I that's what I want to do. Uh, I you know I I view this. I've been given a gift to do this, and I I view it. You know, I'm an I'm proud to be an Eagle Scout. Uh, I'm a little boy from Urbana, Illinois, and I'm just an Eagle Scout. I got that at age 15, and I learned the difference between right and wrong, and and doing good for somebody. So I've learned all this on my own, and I'm very humble about it. I don't have all the answers, believe me. Uh, I'm still learning, and I, I wish that I knew 40 years ago what I know now. My my job, I believe, is to help others learn that. I'm, I'm, I'm put, putting together a study club where dentists can mentor with me, and we're going to have uh, webinars and uh, yearly or semi-annual meetings, two maybe two two year uh, meetings a year, uh, where I help people uh, treat cases that that are complex and what I call train wreck patients that really have everything in the world going wrong with them, including sleeping, pain, and all that. The ones that I really enjoy working with. Uh, I'm also have my thing for treat, teaching the orthotropics. I, I'll continue to do that. But my wife is very supportive. She and I work together in the practice. Uh, she honestly runs it. She runs my life, which is what I want. I need that. Uh, and we're, we work together. And uh, so that's that's our passion. Uh, we have grandkids. We go visit the grandkids and that kind of thing. But other than that, we try to help teach other people about this. Yeah, well, that's great. So what's the best way for people to, uh, to learn more, to find a... Uh, Practitioner you can, in their area, if they need one, you know, what should they do? Yeah. You can go, if you can find a practitioner, and again, the NA, North American Association for Facial Orthotropics website, NAFO, uh, you can contact me at my, my through my uh, email, which is hang, H-A-N-G, at facefocused.com. You can go to my website, which is www.facefocused.com. Uh, we're, we're developing a new website, which is going to be... Uh, called ERRS, uh, as in mistake, it stands for Extraction Retraction Regret Syndrome, which is a syndrome that I identified. I identify it as a, quote, constellation of aesthetic, functional, 
and emotional signs and symptoms brought on by retraction of, of the teeth, uh, all of which are preventable because retraction is preventable. And so we mm. we we have articles we're writing on ERRS, and I have patients who contact me from all over the world and say, "Gee, I I saw your your video on YouTube, or I saw your article, and I'm an ERRS sufferer." I mean, I had a woman from Massachusetts send me uh, an, an inch and a half thick uh, three ring binder with six sections in it annotated about her extraction retraction regret syndrome story. Uh, I mean, oh, wow. it's kind of crazy. So uh, I'm I'm trying to help other people that that suffer and give give people some hope and that that uh, that that need help. Again, I want to make it very clear. I promise nobody any resolution resolution of even one symptom. Nor do I say that retraction and extraction will always produce these symptoms. That's not the case at all. But the fact is, it's like the, you know, if you have a 10% chance of raining on your parade and it rains, well, you get wet. And I, I'm not comfortable with doing anything that is going to retract even minutely I, because I've listened to my patients over the last more than 30 years, and I just can't comfortably do that anymore. Well, that's great. That's great. William, I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you for your, your wisdom. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed uh, talking with you. If I can help you in any way, please contact me. You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials, or even starting to appear on shelves, or by prescription, or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you.